All right, live from Studio 6B on a Thursday night, 8 o'clock. Glad you're in. Lots to do. Paul Nolan's here with some news. Mr. Nolan, how are you? I'm good, buddy. Good. Uh, Rick Delgado's here with a nice-looking Crazy Town shirt that he got from 6bshirts.com. That's a good-looking shirt, a good-looking color. How are you? I'm doing well, good buddy. And uh, Rick Emirati looking slick as always on Twitter, at Slick Rick Sports. What's coming up in sport? Oh, whoa, hold on. How are you, first of all? How are you, Rick? And uh, then great what's tonight, Big D. How are you, buddy? I'm very good. What's what's coming up in sports? I have a tin foil hat segment for sports tonight involving Baker Mayfield. Wait till you hear this one. You're going you're gonna to really be on me on this one, Big D. I've always, I've always liked that guy. We have a, a lot of big uh, tournaments going on tonight. The Atlantic 10 tournament. College basketball is on fire. I got 18 games on, on tap tonight for you. Baker Mayfield is the uh, Dr. Fauci of football commercials, right? Or insurance commercials. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is there anybody who does more commercials than Baker Mayfield? No. Right? But good for him. I mean, you know, how much is enough? Never enough. Just, yeah. just sock it away, man. Because you're not going to play forever. You got to admit, he is good. He's got good comedic timing. Yeah. He, he plays it well. He's a good looking kid. He is good. But um, after this story, you guys are going to question things. Okay. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> All right. Uh, very good. We already are a little bit with Baker. He's got a, yeah. he, he's got a little quirky side to him, man. <laughs> he's man. out there. Trust yeah. me. Yeah, he, he, he hits the sidelines, and you never know what could come out. So, All right, well, we'll look forward to that. Uh, Rick Delgado, do you have a what even is? No, of course. What's tonight? No, that's Thursday. tomorrow night. That's tomorrow night. But you I think I would know, know after almost a year of doing the show what the schedule is of when yeah. Rick does what even is that. But yeah. no, I don't. And that's your new favorite segment, Big D. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Brand new. <laughs> well... I, Rick it's tells the me only I, new segment we've. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, we got to get moving, you and I. Rick, you know tells my me, segment's going to be called. You know what grinds my gears? And it's just going to be what ticks me well, off. Do you know? Gee, what was the segment that we used to do? It was called. Um, uh, don't get me started. I think it was. Don't called. get me started, oh. and that was very similar to what Paul just said. Don't grind my. You know what grinds. And you also know what not stolen from Family Guy. Yeah, it was a full-blown Family Guy thing. Oh, okay. I could have sworn everyone has seen. Well, ours was called Don't Get Me Started. And it was, you know, everybody got to go around and pick a, you know, don't get me started on uh, whatever. On the fact that McDonald's is not uh, continuing the whatever. Big rib. Yeah, exactly. And you just rail about it. So maybe we'll bring back, well, you know, that. But the problem is the people on the show never wanted to come prepared with something to do. So <laughs> the segment was not that good. I can see what do you mean? If he had a million stories that. about how yeah, every first-class flight he was on good. sucked. Well, we're talking over each other, so I have no idea what you said, G. Go ahead. I said, what do you mean? Vin always had a good story about how all of his first-class flights somehow sucked for some reason. Yes, exactly. Vin had lots of stories about lots of things. So, All right, so lots to do. We'll get into some of the news. I, I guess Nancy Pelosi now is the conspiracy theorist. Is that, the, is that what I'm hearing? Me and Paul were doing radio again today, uh, but... So Pelosi shut down Congress because of um, of what? Internet chatter is that is that does anyone know this story? Rick, you I mean, oh, you yeah. follow these things, of course. Well, what what's <laughs> what is she doing? Well, today was March fourth. You know the the inauguration that Trump was going to storm the Capitol with uh, the QAnons, even though that's not what they're called, uh, and, and take back the government. Is it, this was a real, this was a serious thing. Yes, it was supposed to be some armed insurrection. Of course, they 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 wanted to start a war, uh, but nobody showed up. <laughs> but she shut down Congress nonetheless. Yeah, 
Nobody well, she only wants up. to work about eight days a year from what I can figure, right? Unless it's she wants to pass legislation, have nobody come back to Washington. Our friend Thomas Massey, who came on the show, uh, was one of the only ones who ever wanted to show up and actually do anything. And he got uh, bombarded because of it, didn't he? Yep. So I'm all Pelosi's just, I mean, she's very fascistic in the way she runs the house and what the way she uh, puts together these bills, throws them through in the middle of the night and no one reads them. And this, you know, if I'm her and I'm looking at these Republicans and I'm thinking, man, I could just kick their ass all over the place all the time. None, none of them fight back. Me and Chucky boy would just whip Mitch McConnell all over the Senate. Well, I mean, if you're her, why not? You don't get any pushback for the most part. Look at Biden's cabinet. One, one didn't make it. Not because the Republicans gandered enough votes to make it 50-50 and make Kamala Harris be the tie-breaking vote. No. So if I'm Pelosi, why not operate like that? Um, but let's, this is where I want to start. And Paul, you'll, you're going to appreciate this because we talk about all kinds of stuff on this show, including financial. Um, you know, you, Paul has tried to teach me on the money system, I have not been a very good student, as I have I not showed watched... up to class once. <laughs> <laughs> I have not watched the movies he has sent me to watch, and we, which we told you about on the show. But you will appreciate this, Paul. Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, proposed a three percent wealth tax on billionaires. This from CNBC uh, yesterday. Senator Elizabeth Warren, Senator Bernie Sanders, and other Democrats are proposing a 3% annual tax on, uh, I'm sorry, 2% annual tax on wealth over 50 million, rising to 3% for wealth over $1 billion. The Ultra Millionaires Tax Act, is what they want to call it, would aim to close the U.S. wealth gap, which has grown wider since the COVID pandemic. Now, what, um, what they should call it is the Great American Theft Act, because that's really what this is. The idea of a wealth tax, um, the basic concept of a wealth tax, to think about it, is basically the government somehow is going to be able to assess uh, how much you're worth. Now, how they're going to do that um, is beyond me, but they're going to take a look at your all your assets, uh, they say, liquid, um, illiquid, um, who knows what? I mean, if you've got if you've got the Mona Lisa in your attic, I don't I don't know how they're going to know that you have that and value that. But they're going to look at everything, tangible, intangible, everything, no matter what it is. They're going to put a price tag on your head, and then they're basically going to say, "Well, we've decided, the government's decided that you're worth too much money, and um, we're just going to tax you at some rate, two percent if it's fifty million or higher, three percent." You mean steal it? They're going to steal it. Exactly yeah. right. These it's percentage points. It's not a tax. It's, a, it's, wow. a, it's stealing. But let's be and, honest. Well, let me just hold on. Let me finish. And the most important part, it is regardless of whether you have worked or had a chance to earn at any time. It does not matter. If you were a billionaire and somehow ended up in jail and you had no chance to, to earn, you're still worth too much. They're coming in. You mean, so the guy that's got, what was it, uh, 
10 or 12 or, or 100 or however many Bitcoin he has locked up that he can't get a hold of because he's got only got two chances left to get that password right. They could assess that and say, you know what? That's 250 million. So we're charging you that. I mean, they can even try, though he has no access to it. If they can, if they can associate it to him again, that that's just one of the many questions that would be raised by this. The idea of just um, if you have no chance to earn, doesn't matter. You're still going to get this tax bill, and they're still going to put this percentage on you based on what they assume and what they think you're worth. Right now, tax accountants of the rich and wealthy are just rubbing their hands like, hoo, 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 hoo. they're going to be setting up offshore corporations. They're going to be moving people's residencies out. It's just going to be a mass exodus out. And it's just the stupidest thing. Once again, these, these central planners think that they can control everything and anything. And all they do is hurt themselves and hurt everybody in the process. Yeah. It, it is absolutely insane in it, to think about it in actual working order that it would work because what paul just said is exactly right if you're a wealthy person what are you doing you're immediately trying to set up move assets offshore maybe move out of the states move someplace so it just in concept alone it's totally idiotic right and then once they figure out that that's not working because well the wealthy have figured out how to hide their money then they they decide well let's lower the bar and let's lower the bar again. And then they continue lowering the bar until they get to everybody. Then they decide, you know what? Everybody needs this tax. It's only, it's only what, a couple cents? The idea, you- the idea that because you're breathing, the government, can ta- come, the government can just come in and take money from you because they think you're worth too much. The idea of that, that anybody thinks that that would be a good idea, is theft of the highest order. That is what they're proposing. And as Paul said, all it will end up doing in practice will effectively move people out of the country, move assets out of the country. And it's just, their stupidity when it comes to these things and their constant attack on our capitalistic system and upward mobility in this country I saw a stat that said if you took the wealth of every billionaire, I believe, in the, in the country, $2.6 trillion worth of wealth it would be, you could run the government for under eight months. It's, un- it's unbelievable. Yeah. Can't keep up with the interest. E- even if they took all of, of Bezos' money and, and all of Gates' money. All of it. If they took every billionaire in the country, took Every nickel they had, you could run the government for under eight months. So the idea, the whole idea of what they try to uh, demagogue here about the one percenters and this wealth, it's so inane. And in theory and in actual concept, it makes zero sense. Yeah. And that's what you're going to be left with, zero sense. Because once they decide, okay, you know what? Well, there's you. There's the people in your family, say you got, you know, the basic husband, wife, two kids, right? There's a value on that. Oh, you have a house? Well, let's, let's add that to the top. That'll add to the number. Oh, you have some life insurance, do you? Oh, you have a, a half a million dollar policy? Well, guess what? You just valued yourself an extra half million dollars. Boom. They're going to tax that too. Well, to think about how any forensic accountant could possibly come in and value things like that, 
Like if you have got, how do they value your company? How do they value you? How do they value your assets? Uh, how do they value these things? I mean, it's just like Paul said, it, it, in theory, it doesn't work. In practice, it doesn't work. It's not productive. And all it does is create a huge offshore in industry, which people are then going to go to try to hide assets. It just makes no sense. How much is your house worth? When? When do they value it? Today? Right. What if the, what the real estate market tanks? What happens? They're going to come in and redo this every year, come in and, re and redo the numbers? Oh, you got a 401k? How much is in there? They're not going to ask. They'll know. Yeah, well, that they'll know. That's the easy part for them. It's the other things. You've got some painting that... Um, and the other thing that's being proposed, by the way, is taxing um, non-fund... Um, not non-founded, but um, like gains that you haven't realized. Unrealized yeah. capital gains. Yep. That's what I'm trying to say. They're floating that around. Imagine that. Jeez. Imagine trying to start a company in this in this environment, in this country, under the Democrats. You're going to try to start a company, raise, raise seed money, so you raise $10 million. Company's worth basically nothing still. You've got $10 million. So they're going to come in and go, well, oh, here's your, here's your tax bill on that. If you're on uh, Twitch for our first night on Twitch, twitch.tv slash LFS6B, we're staying with you. In the commercial break. We're with you. I live from Studio 6B, 17 past the hour. Real America's Voice, Dish Network Channel 219, Pluto TV Channel 240. Make sure you visit us on social media uh, at LFS6B on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Parlor, Rumble, uh, Instagram, LFS6B Show. And tonight, brand new on Twitch, twitch.tv slash LFS6B. The show is streaming there as well and uh, gives you all a place to chat again because I know how much you love that. And we're staying live with you through the commercial breaks. So you can see our backstage nonsense that goes on during the um, commercial breaks. Well, I drink my moonshine. <laughs> Someone asked if that was moonshine last night, Paul. It's totally orange. <laughs> it's, a, it's totally aqua water. <laughs> um, so we talked about the wealth tax. And um, I mean, again, it's just, it's just, it's idiotic to think that because you have a pulse that the government's going to come in and say, um, well, we just we think you're you know we just think you're valued at too much. We think the things you have might be valued at too much, and we're going to figure out what fair market value is here on your on your house and your real estate and your uh, paintings and your business and um, and any inv all investments that you have. All you have a nice car there, by the way. So uh, let's add yeah. that to, let's add that to the tally um, because you know what we want to make it fair for everyone. And the idea of taxing um, unrealized capital gains is almost beyond my ability to talk about in any <laughs> way that I could even remotely it's even have to try to argue it. Nothing American about it. <laughs> Tax you on unrealized capital gains. So you bought the stock. Stock went up $1,000. And you have whatever. So you're, you have on 
paper on your screen, you have $10,000 in profit, but you haven't sold it yet. They're going to, they want to tax you at some point, end of the year, whatever it is on that, on the gain. So the next day, if it goes to zero, I don't think they're offering you any refunds. But even if they are, that's not remotely fair. It doesn't even, it's not even, it doesn't symbol, there's no semblance of reason whatsoever. Think yeah. about it. Even if they do give you, now you're going to be playing with scared money when you're up and you want to just sit on it and go long. Now you, now you can't do it in any comfort whatsoever. Think about trying to do an IPO, trying to do a startup in this company. What do you do? Your first thing you got to do is raise seed money. Got to leave America. That's what you have to you, do. Well, yeah. You start your company, it has zero valuation. You do a seed round. You're lucky enough to find someone gives believes in your idea, gives you $10 million for your first seed round. Your A round is $10 million. Your company's still nothing. You've done nothing. You haven't hired anybody. You have no technology. You got to go do it all now. See, that's the thing. These people who do this have never actually done this. They don't, they've never made payroll. They've never started anything. They've never built anything. They've never had to design anything. They've never had to worry about anything. They're not entrepreneurs. They've never lived that life. But they want to come in and go, oh, you raised 10 million. Okay. So uh, we're going to, here's your, here's your bill on that. Well, wait a minute. I have to, I could very easily go through 10 million and ha- the company could have nothing. Oh, yeah. that doesn't matter. Yeah, and go out of business in six months. Yeah. That's a good business climate. Boy, I, boy would I want to go public or, or try to raise money or start a company under those circumstances? Wealth tax and, and, and taxing unrealized capital gains. I, I mean, I, I don't know. And there's Janet Yellen. Well, yeah, sounds pretty good. I don't know. We'll have to think about it. And here they are, another $1.9 trillion ready to go out. $1.9 trillion. Um, all right, so lots to do. Uh, you want to do some news, Paul? Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's do some news here with uh, Paul Nolan. What's going on, Mr. Nolan? Of uh, The uh, Durham File, a documentary roadmap to special counsel probe of, of rogue FBI pursuit of Trump. The FBI was, uh, was warned Russia collusion was a dirty... Clinton trick, steel dossier flawed, and persisted anyway. Um, this is from Just the News. Freed from the double duty, Connecticut's uh, chief federal prosecutor, special counsel Jim uh, Dorham, is zeroing in on the final phase of a, of a far reaching investigation into whether the FBI officials and other committed crimes while conduct- conducting the Russian collusion probe, such as misleading federal judges or Congress. Uh, all expectations were that Dorham would wrap up his probe with final indictments and or report last fall after a plea uh, deal was reached with former FBI lawyer Kevin Kleinsmith, who admitted he falsified documents uh, to, submitted and to substantiate an application for a surveillance warrant targeting the Trump campaign. FBI uh, Director Chris Ray revealed Tuesday that the entire process, including the Bureau's ability to discipline agents involved in the Russia case, was slowed down at Durham's request because the continuing concerns about potential criminality, which it's so nice to hear from him now, just in the nick of time. Well, I saw John Solomon on with um, Dr. Gina Loudon before us, and um, Mr. Solomon continues to make the case that this is an active and busy investigation, that Mr. Durham is, um, is forging ahead with great... Um, 
with great fortitude, I guess is the way to say. At least that's what I heard him say. So uh, I think those of us are trying to sell it short, maybe, uh, maybe are being short-sighted. But, you know, it's, it's hard not to think, here we go again, because, I mean, really, Kleinsmith's the only thing we've even resembled a, a charge. And we all know what's happened here. But I think at this point, you still have to hold out hope that um, Durham, well, who knows? I mean, who knows at this point, really? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> who knows? Honestly. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, it's really our two sets of laws. They're talking about taxing unrealized gains, and meanwhile, these animals can do anything they want. They can weaponize uh, intelligence agencies. They, they can, you know, weaponize the IRS, weaponize media. It's such a joke. They're really making it. This, this is the fur- furthest thing from America anymore. All right, what else is um, what else is going on in the news today, Paul? The headline says: "Ask conflict of interest questions." Uh, uh, senators uh, probe Capitol riot experienced as victims witnesses. So, former NYPD commissioner questions whether senators can appropriately investigate a situation they were immediately involved in. So, uh, in uh, in the aftermath of the January sixth breach on U.S. Capitol, lawmakers spoke a feeling. Terrorized and afraid for their lives while inside the besieged building, many, including Speaker uh, Nancy Pelosi, attended post-traumatic counseling. Now lawmakers are investigating the same events in which they were directly involved as both victims and witnesses. In a a series of hearings on Capitol Hill, senators have sought timelines, documents, evidence, testimony from the FBI, the U.S. Capitol Police, the Defense Department and other agencies. The latest such hearing and oversight session held jointly by Homeland Security and Government Affairs Committee and the Committee on Rules and uh, uh, Administration to examine security and intelligence failures spanned several hours on Wednesday. So it, uh, it appears that there is definitely a conflict of interest here. Um, all right, very good. We'll do some more news with Paul. Um, coming up, well, sports is coming up with Rick, and I'm gonna. Um, I have a bunch of stuff to cover tonight. This HR one uh, for the People's Act. This nonsense um, is the Leave Democrats in Charge Forever Act, as we've renamed it here. We'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, we'll talk about what's going on at the border again. John uh, Daniel Davidson has an article today in the Federalist. Cartels have now introduced wristband inventory system for illegal immigrants cartels and smuggling networks on the u.s mexico border are growing more sophisticated bracing for a historic surge of illegal immigration this spring this is of course while the biden administration tells us that there uh, well no 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 there's no crisis going on at the border everything is it's a challenge hunky door
All right, live from Studio 6B, 30 minutes past the hour. Real America's Voice, Dish Network, Channel 219, Pluto TV, Channel 240. Paul's got some news. Rick Delgado's here. Rick Emirati reminiscing in the break about his days dancing on stage with Prince. Oh, yeah. And um, <laughs> who else? What just happened? Uh, Morris, Morris Day in the Time and Morris then Prince's the Band. We were talking what about the P-Funk. We what saw about them. Uh, Sheila E.? Sheila E. She yes, was part I of that her. group, right? She was part of that entourage. Yeah, I didn't dance with her, though, unfortunately, but okay. I did see her many times. All right, well, we'll get back to more Prince dancing and, and crashing the stage, but let's now switch 180 degrees and go to the Federalist today. So before... <laughs> <laughs> That's a good... All right, what a good, uh, good way to get into that, Damon. Nice segue. Um, from John Daniel Davidson today, the Biden administration says there's no crisis at the border. Although the numbers of unaccompanied minors coming across right now and the federal government's scramble to find housing for them, well, say otherwise. But migrant children are only part of the story. What most news outlets are not reporting is the surge in adults crossing the border illegally, ferried over the Rio Grande and escorted into the U.S. by smuggling networks that contract with powerful cartels to bring people in without being apprehended by border patrol. These operations are sophisticated, so sophisticated that smugglers are now requiring migrants to wear wristbands as a way to keep track of who has paid and which smuggling outfit is in charge of whom. Jason Jones, a retired captain for the Texas Department of Public Safety and owner of Tripwires and Triggers, which tracks cartel activity on the border, shared images with the Federalist of discarded wristbands on the U.S. side of the border that he says represent a process that says which smuggling group has moved them, as well as other information. The bands are put on migrants' left wrists at stash houses in Mexico, just across the border, before the groups come into the U.S., Jones told the Federalist. The bands uh, all have numbers linked to a database of personal information, name, phone number, destination in the U.S., and information about family members in the country of origin in case payments are late. Jones said smugglers will verify cell phone numbers both of the migrant and his family back home at the time the wristbands are distributed in the stash house. Todd Bensman of the Center for Immigration Studies reported earlier this week on the wristbands, quoting a U.S. Custom, Custom and Borders official who confirmed that uh, Border Patrol agents have been finding wristbands for months now. He says, quote, it's an inventory system, the official told CIS. They're all over the place. <laughs> Illegal immigration is a major black market industry. The wristband inventory system is something new on the border, but it confirms what close observers have been saying now for years. Illegal immigration along the southwest border is huge business with revenue in the billions and getting bigger every year. Every person who crosses the border, whether man, woman, or child, is supposed to pay a fee to smugglers. These smugglers operate with the permission and cooperation of whichever cartel controls a particular area. And the cartel gets a cut of every smuggling fee that's paid. Think of it as a cartel tax. The way it is used to be done is the migrants would pay up front for passage over the Rio Grande and beyond the border uh, patrol checkpoints just south of the border. 
But now cartels and smugglers have turned this into a lucrative black market industry with a tiered pricing scheme for different nationalities. Prices are so high that almost no one can pay them up front. According to Jones, who says he verified these prices with a cartel source, Mexican nationals must pay 2500 Venezuelans, uh, Peruvians, Ecuadorans, Hondurans must pay 3000 Chinese nationals pay 5000 and Russians and migrants from the Middle East pay $9,000. The system amounts to a form of debt bondage, which Jones says is, quote, really a modern form of slavery. And then there's pictures in this article, all of these wristbands all over the place with these markings. The wristbands help keep track of who has paid uh, what to whom. The need for such a system became apparent during the 2019 border crisis when large groups of migrants, including one with more than 1,000 people, were crossing the U.S.-Mexico border every day. The chaos and the volume of illegal immigration meant that not everyone was paying which meant that cartels were not getting their cut. The wristband system is an effort to correct that. <laughs> As conditions deteriorate along the southern border, just this week, an SUV carrying dozens of illegal immigrants was hit by a tractor trailer in South Southern California, killing 13, while dozens of newly released migrants in South Texas tested positive for COVID-19 and then released into the country. Americans need to understand that illegal immigration is a massive money-making scheme for international criminal syndicates, which exploit migrants every step of the way, including after they're in the U.S. President Joe Biden and other administration officials can insist all they want. There's no crisis at the border, but the truth is that the crisis is just beginning and the cartels and smugglers behind it are about to make a whole lot of money. So, 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 so what you're saying in this article, what they're saying is that the Mexican drug cartels are now branching out and are more effective in running immigration than the Biden administration. They know who they've got. They know where they're going. They can keep track of them. They know they've even introduced their Elizabeth Warren. Ito probably has the tax thing set up. So we know your unrealized potential in terms of what you're going to earn. You got to kick back to us a certain percentage. They've got it worked out better than we do. Of course, because they let the free market handle it. The free market of slave trading is, you know, Always. is better than government central planning. <laughs> it, it's <laughs> scary. It's amazing. They, they figured out immigration better than we have. Jen Psaki was asked about this the other day about if there's a crisis, here she is. Roll it, G. You know, I know you have said that you don't want to label this a crisis. Secretary Mayorkas was in here yesterday saying it's not a crisis. But now you have Axios reporting that the administration needs 20,000 beds to shelter these children. Based on our own reporting, 97% of the beds through the Office of Refugee Resettlement are full. So I don't want to sound like a broken record here, but at what point does it become a crisis? Well, I would say I don't think we need to meet your bar of what we need to call it. We had the Secretary of Homeland Security yesterday conveying it's a challenge. We've provided numbers publicly about how serious that challenge is. Uh, we, of course, uh, because we are approaching this humanely and we are approaching this in a way where we will keep the children safe in a, in a great break with the past administration, uh, and because we're doing this at a time of COVID, that is even more challenging because most of these facilities are at 
40 percent capacity, hence the number of beds that are being uh, being uh, utilized. Um, but again, uh, we're going to approach this without labeling. We're going to approach this with policy, with humanity, uh, and with uh, a focus on what we can do to keep these kids safe uh, and keep them and keep get them in homes as quickly as possible. When did um, when did immigration in the U.S. become about um, serving the needs of the um, immigrant? These elected officials, I thought, are elected to represent the um, the best interests of us, the people, aren't they? The purpose of immigration isn't to serve the immigrant, is it? No. I, I thought it was, you know, to make sure that, uh, you know, rules are followed and that, you know, they don't come in here and it doesn't put an undue uh, burden on us, the American people. Yeah, I listened to Jen Psaki and it sounds like that she's, uh, I mean, she's at, she's at work and trying to serve for the best needs of um, people coming across the border illegally. And, and, and I thought that she's there and the administration is there to serve we, the people who put them there. Or, I mean, some of us did, some of us didn't. But I thought they're supposed to work for all the people. Again, it's it's almost as if if you cross the border illegally, you are treated as somehow more um, more rational, more humane, more um, more worthy, more worthy. Um, and if you're a citizen, well, it, I mean, it's just. You can get really, you don't have to have, you don't have to get tested. And if you are positive, well, go ahead, go wherever you want. And if you can quarantine on your, on your travels, go ahead. Hey, let's go to Florida for vacation. Well, you gotta, you know, hold on. Wrap yourself in bubble wrap. 19 days here. Come back. You got to test four days here, 14 days more. Go get a doctor's note. Go through this. Go do that. Don't talk to anybody. Give us your cell phone. Give us all your money. Cross the border illegally? Hey, would you like a vaccine? Would you like a shot? No, go ahead. Don't worry about it. Uh, here's Come a back check. in three years. Make sure you vote Democrat. I mean, really, the idea of what immigration is supposed to be, we've gotten so far away, or the Democratic Party has gotten so far away. It's almost of, uh, again, blurring the line between citizen and non-citizen is their only goal to... Uh, um, uh-uh-uh. That's not the only goal. Destroy the family, the nuclear family, kill religion kill nationalism it's all part of a bigger plan it's all in the playbook on how to homogenize and destroy an entire country and its constitution i mean it would be nice don't we when we let people in legally i'm sure we do i know we didn't pass we ask we well number one we find out if they're sick uh we would ask if they're um financially able to support themselves um maybe if they have any skills um all these kinds of questions that I thought immigration was really about. You know, they like to, the Democrats like to use the, you know, well, the country's, you know, it's a melting pot of the puppy pie and all this. No, no. The country's made up of the U.S. citizens. Yes, of course, legal immigration has made the country much better. Of course it has. Everybody acknowledges that. Legal immigration has done that. People from all over the world who are looking for liberty, who vote with their feet to say, no, that's where we want to go, who go through the process and wait. Of course, they make the country better. And why do they want to come here? This, this, um, 
Upward systemically mobility. racist, um, too white, um, every other thing that Democrats call this country. Why do they want to come here? You wonder sometimes. You listen to Obama, you listen to Biden. What's just America was just an idea. It's never really lived up to its, Biden says. It's never lived up to its, uh, you know, the shining city on a hill. But yet here they are. They should, put, they should put the Democratic Party down at the border for a week. Let them do their business there. Just move the damn capital there. Yeah, relocate it. Relocate them all. Right to the border, and guess what? That's where that's, that's the new D.C. Get your apartments there and, uh, and enjoy the locals. Or all the sanctuary cities that they're all support. Just put them in their cities. Put them in their neighborhoods. Some billionaires should just rent... 2,000 buses and just bring them all to D.C. and drop them off. Inside, but they would never, they would never do that. No. They would never do that because it's just like everything else. They don't actually want to live the life they tell you that they want you to live or that they, their policies make you live. They don't want to live that. It's, it's rules for thee, not for, uh, not for me. All right, more news. Crazy Town Sports all coming up. Opening night on Twitch. If you're there, we're hanging with you. from Studio 6B on a Thursday night. Time to do sports. Here with that is Rick Emirati. What's going on, pal? All right, Big D, busy night, NCAA. We got the Atlantic 10 tournament. A lot of games. Some games are already uh, went final. But I have right now North Alabama beating uh, North Florida 68-60. That's a final. Uh, Dayton 84-72 over Rhode Island final. George Mason beat GW 73-59. That's a final. Uh, second half right now, Texas Tech beating Iowa State 52-40. to uh, Bellarmine over Stetson, 60 to 58. Uh, Lipscomb is winning 39 to 36 over Florida Gulf Coast U. And uh, Michigan right now, number two Michigan, leading Michigan State 49-34 in the second half. Uh, things are heating up. Michigan 49-34 over Michigan State? Correct. They yeah. play again on Sunday, you know. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if Michigan blows them out, if that's uh, what we end up getting on Sunday as well. Well, Michigan State, uh, Michigan will be on the road at Michigan State on Sunday, I Correct. presume, because they're in Michigan tonight. Yes. Right. Uh, and then UMass, Big D, number five UMass, uh, 166 over St. Joseph's. That's in the Atlantic 100 tournament. That's a final. Duquesne, uh, where uh, Francis went to school, uh, uh, over Richmond, 67-62. That was a final. And North Alabama uh, over North Florida, I gave you that already, 68-60. There are a lot of games tonight. 20 20 games in action uh, uh, early on. Uh, oh, Baylor right now. Baylor is up uh, 56 to 46 over Oklahoma State, and that's number three Baylor. So we have number one Gonzaga, number two Michigan, and number three Baylor. And Paul and I, we're, we're not riding. We're, Paul, we're not running with Gonzaga, right? 
No, man, we ride or die with Baylor. Yeah. Well, Baylor's now number three. <laughs> Baylor was number two die. the whole year. Yes. Then they lost. They then lost they last came Saturday back to beat Kansas. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Illinois and Michigan. Just try to take something from the outside <laughs> in. <laughs> Illinois is number five, I believe. No, no, no he's <laughs> okay. <laughs> NHL action, boys. Uh, hey, uh, one of our uh, new Twitch followers, B Malloy, twitched to me that uh, hey, Penguins have fans in the arena at the PPG Paint Center in beautiful downtown Pittsburgh, where they're beating the Flyers three to two in the second. So thank you for that, B Malloy on Twitch. Uh, Islanders three to one over the Sabers right now, and the second, the uh, Jets and Canadians are tied at two in the second. Red Wings leading the Hurricanes two to one. Rangers starting to play good there, Rick Delgado. They're up two to one over the Devils. Second period, that's in Jersey, and the Panthers are up two nothing over the Predators. That's in the first. Lightning and Blackhawks not of that zip, no score there. And that's in the first NBA action. Last game before the NBA All-Star game this weekend. You want to make sure you tune in on Sunday for that. We got the Celtics leading the Raptors. <laughs> yeah, yeah right. I can't wait. Hey, you <laughs> I'm watching. Me Joel Embiid, my man, MVP. 86-79 to over the Raptors right now, Celtics. That's uh, in the third. Wizards up 70-68 uh, over the Clippers. That's Is he actually going to play in the All-Star game? Joe's going to play. Yeah, of course he's going to oh, play. He he's going to start. Rest. I mean, he, lo- he plays like he's 87 years old. He's I mean, he looks like, I mean, he's... He needs to rest. I know he had forty and uh, forty and nineteen last night. Good. Why night. would you? Why would you let him play? You shouldn't want him to play as a, as a lover of that team that you are. You need him for the stretch to win the title. Who cares about the All Star game? What you're if he right, gets hurt? Yeah, you're right. You're right. What can I tell you? You know, it's, this is what it is. He's got. He's got to be there. He's a starter. Uh, Knicks, big D. They're starting to play good. This Julius no, Randle. No, no. Yes, uh, they are. Yes, they are. New York Come Post on, is writing playing. about them. They're up. They're beating the Pistons, who aren't really a good team. Fifty-nine, forty-six right now. That's set the half. Like I said, Julius Randle with eighteen. Knicks are coming on. Are they going to make the playoffs? Knicks are going to definitely make the playoffs. Yeah. They're going to come in number seven and number eight. Going to be in all New York. You're going to have Brooklyn and you're going to have Manhattan. And you New know York what it Knicks looks playing. like to me? It looks like they're a bunch of kids who are having fun together. Like they like each other. Yeah. They, they, it looks they like are. they're playing they, for one another. They've who got, coaches them now? That's Thibodeau. Thibodeau. To, yeah, Tom to, Thibodeau. Oh, to, from Chicago. Yeah, yeah. he used yeah. to coach the Bulls and, uh, you know, he brought over some yep. of his people. That's why he went after, what's his name, uh, Rose, because he had that background. He's like, you know what? He's a good coach. Yep. Okay. It. Heating up in the garden. All right, let's go to the links now. Round maybe one. Get, Arnold... Maybe I should get season tickets again. Yeah. So, so I can not sell them. <laughs> I, I wouldn't go that crazy. <laughs> yeah. That was some specking, D, Big D. Uh, round one, Arnold Palmer Invitational, presented by MasterCard, Bay Hill Club and Lodge, Orlando, Florida. Rory McIlroy, Damon's favorite oh, alpha. No! Six under, 66. Hey, D, there's hope. Remember I always tell you? The guy who's leading on Thursday is usually not the guy that's winning on Sunday. Um, and he's tied right now with Corey Connors. Corey Connors from Canada. Uh, he also shot at uh, a six under. And Bryson DeChambeau, who's lurking right behind, just one stroke behind. He had a minus five today. He shot a 67. And, uh, oh, I want to get to this story. This is important. And I'm going to put my tinfoil hat on, boys. Watch this. Baker <laughs> and Emily Mayfield report possible UFO sighting in Texas. Is a real story. Cleveland Browns quarterback tweeted about the UFO sighting by Ryan Gatos of Fox News. For Baker Mayfield and his wife Emily seeing may be believing. The Cleveland Browns quarterback tweeted late last night that he and his wife Emily saw a UFO at Baker Mayfield. Tweeted 1140. Almost 100% Em and I just saw a 
UFO dropped straight out of the sky on our way home from dinner. We stopped and looked at each other and asked if either of us saw it. Very bright ball of light going straight out of the sky towards Lake Travis. Anybody else witnessed this, Mayfield said? Emily Mayfield was also unsure of what she saw, tweeting, what was that in Austin, Texas? Mayfield appeared to be in Texas when he saw the purported UFO, but it's unclear what he could have seen. March is the slowest month of the year for media activity, according to the American Media Society. That's Rick and uh, Paul's favorite, uh, one of their favorite uh, people to follow. There are no major media showers except for some evening fireballs that uh, seem to peak this time of year, seen from the northern hemisphere. It didn't appear there were any rocket launches that time of night either. But uh, yeah, Baker Mayfield, he thinks he saw a UFO. Big day. Big day. Maybe it was just Odell Beckham <laughs> or a receiver who could actually catch the ball. That would be almost as a, a, yep. slimly saw in Cleveland as a UFO. <laughs> I got yeah. time for one more big D. Oh, you got plenty of time. More okay. UFO story, whatever you, got, you, you want. You got something on Bigfoot to right. throw in? I got, something on, I got something on a Yankee legend. Yahoo Sports. Major League Baseball will celebrate Lou Gehrig Day for the first time June 2nd. This is by Liz Rocha from Yahoo Sports. Yeah, but he's white. I know. Well, hey, mm. listen, this guy, ALS, big time. Major League Baseball know, announced. but he's white from the, from the 40s. It means he's a bad person. Yeah, well, I don't know. Lou is a legend. Lou Gehrig will be celebrated every June 2nd, starting in 2021, commemorating both the day he started his incredible 2,130-game streak in 1925 and the day he died in 1941. Imagine same thing date. Gehrig was a legendary New York Yankees first baseman who played 2,130 consecutive games, which was an MLB record until it was broken by Cal Ripken Jr. back in September 1995. He played 17 years in the majors, but his career was cut short when he was diagnosed with Amyotropic uh, arthropopic lateral sclerosis. ALS is the abbreviation. You can tell by the way I stumbled over that. That's why it's abbreviated. A progressive neurodegenerative disease that affects nerve cells in the brain and spinal cord. ALS has no cure. This disease, which became known as Lou Gehrig's disease, sapped Gehrig, Gehrig of his power, control, balance, and strength. The diagnosis forced Gehrig to retire after playing just eight games in the 39th season. And Lou Gehrig was 37 years old when he passed away. So baseball is going to recognize the old iron horse. That was his nickname. Yep. And, uh, well, I'm, I'm glad to see that. He'll go along with Jackie Robinson and Roberto Clemente, who also have, are the only other two players who have days, actually, that commemorate them every year annually. And that's okay. a wrap in sports. Okay, very good. So the All-Star Game is this weekend, right? Are they doing the old... Um, Atlanta. In Atlanta. It's in Atlanta? Yes. And is it, does it mean anything? Like the team who wins gets... Um, home field or anything or is it just nonsense no you know they used to have that i don't think they're having that big d this year where they're having the home court i think after last year's bubble they might have lost track of that uh, that particular uh, you know pr- process that they used to do how they- did um how did Shaq do in his uh, wrestling deal that did was Shaq last night just do wrestling again I, I've got to look that up, Big D, uh, and, I, and I'll give that in the next report. We'll see how Shaq did last night when he wrestled. I didn't see that. I always wonder with these guys when I hear these stories, like Shaq or um, I know, like Tyson. Although he looked pretty good, I, I just wonder how much money is enough to 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 do to just continue to. That's Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> All right, live from Studio 6B. On a Thursday night, hour two, uh, Real America's Voice, Dish Network, Channel 219, Pluto TV, Channel 240. Let me tell you what I did at 6 o'clock tonight. Oh, I can't wait. I watched the debut of uh, Jenna Ellis. Oh. And, man, she was fantastic. Long-form interview, which I absolutely love. There's not enough of it. Um, she Her guest was on the whole sh- almost the whole show, and they were able to dig into things. And uh, really get into it. I uh, think it was a congressman, Mike's uh, something or other. Look, I want to go on record saying this. I I don't really think very much of Damon or his skills at this show, other than his interviewing skills. (laughs) I really miss you doing the long-form interviews. I thought you were as good as I got with that, and you kind of stopped doing it. I mean, you get into the minutiae, you stay out of the way. Well, we don't have time on this show to do long-form. We only have 14 minutes when I have a guest. Well, when you well, do I a like double the- segment, you really get into it, and it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, 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 you're as good as it gets, and I yeah, just think you should do it a little bit more. Especially the last time Mike Lindell came on. <laughs> yeah. One, one yeah, question. Yeah, he had one question. <laughs> one get question. out of the way. <laughs> How you one doing, question, Mike? Lindell, as I've now known. <laughs> knocked, yes. Mike Lindell knocked over all the equipment, and he was just yeah. barging through. Yeah, so one question, Lindell. I've now named him. So uh, a couple things I want to get to here. Um, as Biden's broken promises mount... So does his disapproval rating uh, from Brandon Morris in Red State. Now, I, I've been telling you. Now, we know the media is just in the tank, of course, for the, de- you know, the, the, the propaganda arm of the Democratic Party. We get that. But this is not the, um, the lapping seals licking all up all over everybody like it was during the Obama eight years from the media. And I, I was on this Right from day one of Gen P, uh, Gen Saki, Gen P Saki, the P is silent, um, in the briefing room. And I think she was thinking, no, no, hey, guys, it's, it's, it's here. It's, it's the home team. Uh, we're here, here now. Well, what's with all the um, pushback and the questions? Well, it's because I don't think the, the media has, gonna have, is, is, has the patience for this old fool. It's just time to... Put a little note here. It says, I used to be Joe Biden and wheel him out to the dog track. And that's what time it is. And I don't think the media has any um, patience for it. Not that they're not kissing their ass, because they are. And, they, and they're, they're more interested still in the former president than they are in this one. Which is somewhat of an issue, because they, he won't do a press conference. It looks like we're not getting a State of the Union. I, I, I still don't know if that is that official. I have no idea. Um... He won't get in front of the media. He won't take questions. When they shout stuff at him, he's just rude and obnoxious and walks away like he has been to Peter Ducey and other places. And um, I don't think the honeymoon's going to last too long. Now, that doesn't mean it's gonna, the media is all of a sudden going to be like, you know, I'm not going to have CNN reporters coming on here and telling me about uh, what a mistake it was. It's not going to be like that. But the honeymoon's not going to last that long with this guy. And I think even with inside the party, I don't think it's going to last that long. Well, and things get real interesting. I'm sorry, Rick. Things get real interesting if someone like a, a Joe Manchin or a Kristen Cinema or someone else also says, you know, this is just, this is just, too, this is a bridge too far. And then they can't start getting things done. Right. Then what happens? Well, mm. you know, you know what, and, and I take this back to the um, the crazy town from last night, 
where you split him in two and, and then, you know, you went, you showed the difference of the original broadcast and then what the White House was showing everyone. Do we have that, G, still? Yeah, you got to play that again. Because there was something telling at the end. Cut and- the feed. This is unbelievable. So yeah. this is the thing he does yesterday. Yeah. So let's play it, and then Rick can tell us what he's thinking. So he does this thing yesterday, and every time anybody – this was during Trump, too. Obviously, the official White House uh, video is released on their official White House YouTube channel. So I took the official White House YouTube channel because I had seen clips of this ending floating around. And I said, let me go look at what, I can't believe this happened like this. So I went to the, I went to YouTube or as Bernie says, the YouTube, um, to get the video. (laughs) And I watched it at the end and it wasn't the same. And it was really not the same. Like it cut to black right at the end, like fade out. Well, that's not what happened. They changed it. Because they didn't want to post it on, the, on their official White House YouTube. So when you watch this, you'll see the official YouTube video first. And then when I split them, the official one's on the left. And what really happened is on the right. Watch this. Roll it, G. And if we continue to stay laser focused. So this is the YouTube getting version. getting shots in people's arms. From the White House. Responding to economic crisis. Yeah. It's going to open up a lot of hearts. I don't know what that and means. a lot of doors for us tomorrow to do the many more things we know we have to do. So I want to thank you all. I really mean it. From the bottom, I want to thank you. Now thank watch. you, thank you, thank you. And I'm happy to take questions if that's what I'm supposed to do, Nance. Whatever you want me to do. That's why they did that. And then watch what they did here. And no, <laughs> X nay on the questions, a there, dummy. Wow. So first of all, he says to one of his handlers or somebody, "Well, I'll take questions or or whatever I'm supposed to do here, Nance." Yeah, and, and, that's, <laughs> and Nance and that's decided. The part. Yeah, Goodbye. that's the part because who's really in control? Obviously, he's not the boss. He is not the he boss. He is totally not the boss. How many times he said, oh, I'm going to get in trouble? And remember, that, that wasn't he doing a, a meeting with uh, House Democrats? So who the heck do you think Nance is? Who do you think is in charge? Who's kicking him around? Good point. I think it's Pelosi. It's I think definitely it's Pel- Pelosi. That's who he's talking to. She's yeah. the one who introduced him. Right, I didn't Man, know that she, did she look scary. On, I mean, holy cow. I know I called Diane Frankenfeinstein, but man, she was. She oh, looks like Skeletor now. Really? Man, oh man, that's that's nightmare city there. Or the Crypt Keeper. But, yeah, but that's who he's talking to. He's talking to Nance. Yeah, and she's the one in charge. He's <laughs> she, not in charge. He's the president. She's but he's also got to ask the, permission. She's also the one who said, mm, "Cut the feed. We don't need this guy taking questions." It'd have been funnier if she ran over and tackled him. Well, I mean, I don't think dentures will be flying everywhere, so exactly. we can't have that. So there would have been a cloud of dust of dead old bodies. Just <laughs> See, that's just strong. That's, that's very strong. With, with those those grandma stockings probably sticking up. Yeah. So so back to my article. I, I just think the honeymoon here is going to be very different from the eight years of Obama. That again, it doesn't mean they're not going to be moon this guy because of course they are, and they're going to run cover for him and all that. I get it. I'm just not, it's just not going to be what it was during those eight years, in my estimation. I don't think they have the temperament to deal with this clown. I just don't. 
Well, plus, plus he can't even speak. The guy can't speak. Well, that's part of it. That's what uh, I'm saying. I mean, when, when, when Obama was out there, he would, you'd ask him a question, he'd spend seven minutes answering a question right. with just and words and words. And Barry and White and song. This. Right. Yeah. And they'd sit there and drool. Right. And they'd be oh. like, uh, and they'd be so numb from, go, from trying to drink in what he just said, they didn't realize he didn't ever answer the question. So this guy says the shine is starting to wear off of the fancy new president the Democrats elected as more and more Americans get buyer's remorse about Joe Biden. According to Fox News, a new Monmouth poll shows that Biden's disapproval rating is rising steadily, rising just a few points after just a handful of weeks. Uh, Biden holds a 51% approval rating in a Monmouth University survey released on Wednesday. That's down from 54% of Americans who gave the new president a thumbs up in late January, days after his inauguration. And that's for basically getting his pants on that day and not falling down the damn stairs. Uh, More noticeable is the rise in Biden's disapproval from 30% in late January to 42% now. The rise comes as more people from an opinion of Biden with those saying they had no opinion of the president plunging from 16% soon after the inauguration to now only 8%. It's probably not a surprise that Biden's honeymoon period has closed quickly, Monmouth University Polling Institute Director Patrick Murray said. But Murray noted that the president maintains a net positive rating in the new poll, which was conducted February 25th through March 1st. That would be a 51% approval. So Joe Biden's approval is basically the Senate. Take out Kamala Harris and you've got a 50-50 tie. 50 of us think you suck and 50% of your friends there think for now you're tolerable. The poll indicates that Democrats still have nothing but love for Biden. I don't know about that. Staying in the 90% range. Unsurprisingly, Republicans disapprove of Biden is in the 80th percentile, jumping 10 whole points in just a month. But it's not either of those parties that signal problems for Biden. It's the drop in the independent vote. 48% now disapprove of Biden, while 43% approve. This is a total switch. From in January, Biden was at 47% and only 30% disapprove. So that's an 18-point uptick in disapproval from independents. This number alone doesn't spell anything good for Biden because if the independents are willing to turn that quickly, it'll be long till the Democrat Party starts to follow as well. Uh, So why is this drop happening? Well... (laughs) Uh, It's pretty easy to see that Biden's moves have been one blunder after another. Day one saw him kill tens of thousands of jobs with the stroke of a pen with nowhere for the workers to land. He promised to get American stimulus checks the moment he was in office. That still hasn't happened. He bombed Syria. Other promises such as this H.R. 1 $15 minimum wage that uh, and more are effectively going to go unfulfilled with no indication of when any of these things will happen. It's likely that Biden's approval will continue to fall as his promises stagnate and rot, making Americans feel more and more disgruntled and more and more willing to vote against the Democrats come the midterms. And now I hear that there's some maybe consolidation of actually who's going to get stimulus money. Not that they're spending less. Oh, no, 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 (laughs) never, never. 
But um, who's going to actually qualify? I think there's a little consolidation, mm-hmm. uh, maybe a little changing of the rules. So we've it's we've come a long way from. Uh, you elect me, the $2,000 checks are out the door the next day to now all of a sudden there's no checks out the door and we're going to have to rethink here who gets them. And there's plenty of pork in there still. Yep. Well, there's more pork than anything else. You're getting $1,400 in this bill and in, 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 in real numbers, it's probably costing you, your grandkids and their grandkids about 6000 Maybe more. I mean, the debt, I mean, we talk about it on this show. And I know there's other shows that talk about it, but it's just, um, it just doesn't seem that anybody has any real, I listened to um, Powell today. Now, all of a sudden, he's a little worried about um, inflation. What happened? The 10-year Bond yields went through the roof today. The dollar went through the roof today. And equities and everything else, of course, crashed. And it's still crashing. Things that are open 24 hours, like the um, cryptocurrency market, is still falling. Because of Jerome Powell today. Direct. Live from Studio 6B on Real America's Voice. Uh, We're going to jump into some news with Paul Nolan. Paul, what's going on out there? So I wanted to talk about this. Uh, The New York Post is, you know, I read this article today. $140 million Pelosi subway acts from Senate COVID bill. Um, And uh, it says, I guess you'll have to take the bus. Funding for the rail project near the House, uh, uh, near House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's California district that Republicans denounced as wasteful was removed Tuesday from President Biden's $1.9 trillion COVID stimulus bill. The uh, Republicans singled out the rail project as an example of unrelated pork in the bill, which is being rammed through Congress without Republican support using special rules that allow a simple majority vote in the Senate. On Tuesday, Senator John Barrasso of Wyoming ridiculed the project as Pelosi's tunnel of love ahead of an anticipated <laughs> vote on the package, uh, an anticipated package uh, later this week. So um, they also uh, got rid of Senate parliamentary uh, parliamentarian now ruled that the BART extension from San Jose to Santa Clara does not meet requirements of the Bird rule because it was uh, part of a pilot project and in a separate uh, 1.5 million dollar allocation seaway international bridge which is commonly known as the bridge to nowhere mm-hmm. of um uh, Messina, new york uh, to canada was also removed so you know hopefully uh, they can keep uh, pummeling some of the bs that's you know they've gotten away with um do you guys want to comment on that no go ahead rick <laughs> 
Tunnel of Love uh, was a Bruce Springsteen song. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, that's where he crashed his car in the Tunnel of Love. Exactly. He got Jeep. arrested, but his no one Jeep. said a word because he was drunk, right. you know, celebrating right. Trump's loss. Yeah, yep. he paid off the cops. All right. Yeah, it's perfect. Um, in just the news, um, Pence says Dems voting plans give leftists permanent, unfair, and unconstitutional advantage. He said election reform is a national imperative, but under our Constitution, election reform must be undertaken at the state level, wrote the former vice vice president in an op-ed. In an echo of his former uh, boss, Donald Trump, former Vice President Michael Pence uh, called for tightening election security laws Wednesday in a stinging critique of congressional Democrats' comprehensive plan to federalize American elections. Um, Pence said... After an election marked by significant voting irregularities in numerous instances of of officials setting aside state election law, I share concerns of the millions of Americans about the integrity of the 2020 election. Um, uh, Pence uh, derided and decried the sweeping election changes Democratic lawmakers are seeking to engineer H.R. 1, otherwise known as for the People Act, and, and once again, we've talked about it. Anytime they name it something, mm-hmm. it's the exact opposite, like the exactly. Patriot Act and yeah. you know the CARES Act. It's all right. the exact opposite of what it is. Yeah, well, it, it's for the people. It's for the people in the government. Yeah, exactly. It's That's the, the people only people this thing is serving for. Yep. Exactly right. And the legislation, Pence argued, would increase opportunities for election fraud, trample the First Amendment, further erode confidence in our elections, and forever dilute the votes of legally qualified eligible voters. So, um, you know, it's nice to hear, uh, you know, Pence kind of chiming in here. Well, it's, it's, it's kind of funny that now he feels like, Hey, um, you know, maybe we should, uh, you know, election integrity. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, maybe we should look into this a little late. Thanks Mikey. (laughs) Yeah. It's only March, Yeah. but thanks for, thanks for chiming in. We appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, his words carry so much weight still. Um, In just the news, the uh, Rasmussen poll says nine out of ten voters are concerned about the state of the economy. That is not good. When you hear that kind of lack of confidence, it means uh, something's right around the corner, in my opinion. So nine out of every ten U.S. voters are concerned about the state of the country's economy, according to just the news poll with Scott Rasmussen. Uh, the overwhelming majority of respondents expressed concerns, um, and it comes amid nearly one full year of coronavirus pandemic in the in the U.S. and resulted in the shutdown of large parts of the domestic economy. More than half of all voters in the survey said they are very concerned about the economy, while another 35 percent were somewhat concerned. Less than 10 percent uh, of the voters felt others otherwise. Among the voters who expressed concern of ongoing fears of COVID-19 topped the list, with 41% saying the ongoing pandemic was the number one list on their worries. Uh, The next highest concern was 13% was the fear of new regulations will stifle business, followed by 12% who feared growing economic inequality. Who are those knuckleheads? Yeah. Well, especially because... I'm only kidding. They're right. I mean, but... But let's but let's face it. The only reason why the the, the COVID nineteen is so highly rated is because we we've been under siege from the media over this for the last year. Right. So that's all people know. Everybody's affected by it, you know. And it's one of those things where you know if you kind of if you kind of step back and take a look at things and take a look around, um, you're going to see that hey, you know what this isn't that bad. What were they talking about? 
Uh, this masking, not masking, double masking. Double masking. Hey, you look on the box, and even the box says, "Hey, the, ma- the mask doesn't really work for this." Uh, but go ahead, listen to listen to Doctor Fauci. Yeah, well, and then, and that's the thing: the endless disinformation, the endless conflicting information, the endless flip flopping. You know, to me, and a lot of us really felt like it was all about just some form of you know control and some form of politicalization of a you know weapon. I mean, look, they used it to. The mangle in election law, you know, all the laws got mangled and beat up based on this. You know, it was very convenient, this whole solution on on, on a man-made biological virus. So, right. well, well, but that's not the only thing they use it for. They used it to, yeah. you know, mangle a, an economy that was doing gangbusters. Yeah. They used it to mangle a presidency that was doing great work yep. and that was chugging along. Exactly. And, and they used it to, to mangle your, your freedom and your liberty. Yeah, well, you know how it is. I mean, how often do they give you your liberty back when they take it from you? I can think of two instances where our rights were stripped and they were given back. One was the draft. The other was prohibition. You know, for me, I, I think they found a better business model with prohibition when they said, okay, get drunk and just give us way more taxes. Right. And the draft was no longer needed, and they started building. They were able to, you know— indoctrinate kids and give them free stuff to come serve. So, you know, they didn't need the draft. So other than that, can you guys list or think of any other time where we our rights were stripped from us and our liberty was stripped and they gave it back? Uh, I'd like if, if the social media audience can chime in, I'd like to know. Um, you know, I don't know if anyone else has anything uh, to say about no. it, I guess. Um, I guess the last thing real quick, uh, we have yeah. two minutes Border Patrol suspects, uh, victims were all California crash immigrants, which we talked about. And we didn't get to really finish this before that, you know, what we were talking about with these cartels being able to, like, basically <laughs> put a price on every different foreign national, like, what what it costs yeah. to come in. Like, uh, you know what, those Nicaraguans, uh, we got to charge them a little more. I was thinking of Kramer from Seinfeld bringing in real Cubans. What would they cost? <laughs> <laughs> You know, you know, but to me, like, you know, Russians are 9,000. Are, are they proud of that or are they miserable? Like, uh, like, is that like a feather in their cap? And if you're like the Hondurans and it's, you know, it's only two grand to come in, is that, is that insulting? Right. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> wait, huh? Wait, I, I just, I'm only worth two grand? Well, <laughs> so. Um, well, with, with the, with the Russians, I, th- I think they're looking at, you know, the potential of, you know, maybe getting into some, uh, I'm, I'm just going gonna, gonna to spitball here because the only thing I know is what I hear, hear on, on TV and movies, you know, the Russian mafia. Maybe they're going, maybe they know they're heading over to work for the Russian mafia. So they know they're going to have some money. <laughs> Is that or their, their, their mail order brides? Hey, we're, we're bringing in a whole set of mail order brides. Let's get them in. Yeah, but we, they, know, we know they're going to have some cash. Yeah, they, they come in through Southern Florida. So don't, <laughs> they're coming in through Miami, though. So um, I guess there's really no more time, but I guess we could talk real quick before we get to it. But you guys see what's going on with the Dr. Seuss books at yes. eBay now? Yep. Is not allowing eBay to sell used banned books. They've oh. removed them, and they were going for like two hundred, three hundred dollars. Wow! And uh, well, yeah. that that's e- eBay's way of protecting everyone. That's why. Yeah, because they're so benevolent. So right, I guess exactly. we gotta. We guess we'll call it a go to the break right now. Yeah, and we'll wrap it up. We'll uh, check out. Come uh, back. Go to social media and uh, check us out on Twitch. Please download that app. Please. Yeah. LFS6B. Make sure you find that LFS6B. No, I want the last word. I'm Rick Delgado. I want the last word. I want the last word. Me. 
Neither of you get it. past the hour on a Thursday night. Paul Nolan's here with the news. Rick Delgado's here. Rick Amorati's going to have some more sports. All right, it's time. Uh, Rick's wearing his Crazy Town shirt, and this has become, um, well, you know, we're starting to develop certain things now that the Biden administration is in place, and one of the things that's becoming a a nightly hit is Gio's edits of um, what happened in the briefing room today. Maybe we should call it, well, no, it's still Crazy Town, but... It's what happened in the briefing room today. So let's take a look at what happened in the briefing room today. Roll it, G. With new unemployment claims, where new unemployment claims exceeded their pre-pandemic high, uh, and certainly uh, this issue has been raised uh, with um, uh, the issue broadly is raised in virtually every diplomatic conversation uh, that uh, members of our team have. Uh, I don't have any diplomatic conversations to update you on. Those would likely happen through the State Department. So I would certainly suggest you um, uh, reach out to them directly. Does the president uh, have any second thoughts about the language? that he used yesterday and how does comparing someone to a neanderthal help convince them to change course and get on board with your public health message yeah the behavior of a neanderthal just to be very clear um the behavior of look i think the president um what what we what everybody saw yesterday was a reflection of um his frustration and exasperation uh 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 uh, uh, and you know he believes that um uh you've watched the president closely for some time mary as you all have he's going to engage with and talk with people who disagree with him on a range of issues. He simply has was asked, uh, asked the American people to abide by wearing masks for 100 days. We're at about day 40, day 40, around there, 60 more days. Uh, that's what he's asking, and he's certainly hopeful that businesses and people across the country will continue to do that. Yeah. On vaccines, you know, the president has been pretty critical of the prior administration's handling of this pandemic, saying you inherited a mess here. But when it comes to vaccinations, you are following some of the same playbook here. So does the prior administration deserve some credit for laying the groundwork. Which ones are we following? Trump HHS Assistant Secretary Admiral Brett Girard has said that you're following 99% of the playbook they created on vaccines. Bingo! Uh, he has said that, that the prior administration deserves more credit here Bingo. for at least getting the ball rolling on some of these. I don't think anyone deserves credit when half a million people in the country have died of this pandemic. Uh, so what our focus is on and what the president's focus is on when he came into office just over a month ago was ensuring that we had enough vaccines. We have that we are going to have them now. We had enough vaccinators and we had enough vaccine locations to get this pandemic under control. Uh, there's no question and all data points to the fact that there were not enough of any of those things when he took office. Of course he wants to uh, uh, build on, he built his agenda uh, beyond, um, built his agenda beyond uh, getting the pandemic She's under control. Right. He, he oh, views uh, his the, the early stage, early uh, part of his presidency as focused on these twin crises, but he is hardly going to be done with his agenda and work uh, once we have this package signed into law. Of that, uh, I, I'm not going to. Um, 
to outline any security uh, security steps from here at any point in time. Uh, but I can say that uh, our team is, of I'm course, gonna, I'm gonna do uh, nothing from remain, here. Our, the t our team, the president, uh, personally <laughs> remains deeply engaged in uh, in uh, tracking these threats uh, and receiving regular She's updates as he nothing. does from his team about <laughs> uh, as well threats, of course, words, but words, about words, words, incidents now, happening across the country. Words, it's something he is personally engaged in. It's reflected noun. in the comprehensive review he ordered in his first week of the job. He's also uh, I want a GoPro on that binder. Uh, an eager consumer of intelligence uh, <laughs> here. Uh, but I would just say, Jeff, that um, you know we are. Um, we are going to continue to use uh, every bully every method of the bully pulpit at our disposal to convey directly uh, to people living across the country, including in many of these states, that uh, mask wearing, social distancing, yeah. getting access to the vaccine is, is, is the Brown's path to go right back now. to normal. Yep. Um, and that is how we are going to get it done and how the American people can return to, believe me, I'd love to take my kids to birthday parties and to parks and to go to a oh. restaurant. I haven't been to one in a year. Uh, you know, we all want that. Nobody this is us, the pathway so. to do that. Well, we're around fact. We're about facts around here. That is not factual. Um, go ahead. Uh, Senate Republicans have made pretty clear that they intend to block uh, major Democratic legislation. Given what the president has said about that, uh, has he given more thought to the filibuster and making changes to that? Is he having discussions on that front? Which piece of legislation are they intending to block? Um, that. Uh, you know, addressing uh, needed reforms of unions uh, that uh, moving forward on a number of uh, long overdue uh, policy uh, efforts by Congress is, is too important. Uh, I don't have any, I would just, just send you to them who oversee the Department of Homeland Security oversees the process. You'd have to ask them that question. Uh, you know, the president has been clear. I will say the president has been clear that if people wear masks for 100 days, 60,000 lives could be saved. Oh. I don't have any other calls to read out for you at this point in time. Thanks so much, everyone. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> the idea that we're supposed to believe that somehow Joe Biden has had anything to do with this vaccination process, anything to do with it is beyond stupid he has done nothing to push the ball down the road he has done nothing they've had no plan admiral gerard is absolutely correct they are riding the coattails of the former administration and making up phony things that says oh look at what, look at what we've done and good for that reporter for for at least even sniffing the idea <laughs> i mean a semi challenge there yeah did you see any of kaylee McEnany uh kind of giving the digs in just no. saying uh yeah i didn't have to circle back quite as often as her this kind of funny she's this, just charming yeah cute. i mean this this idea that this image that they're trying to give us of joe biden is some this this compassionate um mover and shaker that took this thing just weeks ago from nothing in the cupboard as they said to somehow having enough vaccine to vaccinate everybody by may i know i moved it up a month don't you know it was june i moved it up to may <laughs> so the idea that joe biden had something to do with that it is just mind-numbingly stupid well he just he just 
plagiarizing his way through. You know, the other guy did the work. I'll just say it's my work. You guys say I did this. We're all good. Whew, I got to take a nap. That's, that's the extent of his day. Nance, can I take a nap? Should I ask questions? Can I answer questions? Nance, can, can I... What's my name? Can I have some Jello, Nance? Yeah. Can I have some ice cream from your ice cream stash? It is, um, it's really unbelievable. Um, all right, let's do some other things. That was good, G. Good edit. Um, Daniel Horowitz in Bla- at the Blaze. Uh, the big lie behind the pandemic over COVID exposed. Um, it was the most unprecedented destructive decision in the history of human civilization, he says. Officials decided to lock down a society and treat every human being like a leper until a vaccine was introduced, regardless of whether those interventions helped one iota in slowing the virus. Well, the vaccines are here, so it's game over, right? Wrong. Variants are the new 15 years to flatten the curve, except the premise is built on a total lie. He says, quote, the U.S. is at risk of losing all its recent gains in the battle against COVID-19 as the highly contagious variants take advantage of Americans getting lax with safety measures. That was the opening line of a fresh new piece of panic porn from CNN on Tuesday. Never mind the fact that the mass mandates have not been lifted one iota in states like California and have been intensified at the federal level. But of course, we already know masks don't work. It's the perfect narrative. What more can they do to keep people under their control as roughly 35% of the country has already gotten the virus and pretty much any vulnerable person who wants a vaccine now should have access to one. Well, watch out for the new variants that, of course, just magically appeared and were never there all along. They will make us start all over again. We already know that T-cells and B-cells play the predominant role in stimulating immunity against coronavirus, at least against any serious illness. So how does T-cell immunity work against the new strains? Researchers at the Center for Infectious Disease and Vaccine Research at La Jolla Institute for Immunology tested both people who already had the original strain of the virus and those who had the Moderna and Pfizer vaccines to see if the T-cell responses worked against the four new strains, the British, South African, Brazilian, and Californian. The results? T-cell responses are largely unaffected by the variants. Overall, the results demonstrate that CD4 plus CD8 and T-cell responses in convalescent COVID-19 subjects or COVID-19 mRNA vaccines are not substantially affected by mutations found in the SARS-CoV-2 variants, concluded the author of a very complex T-cell study. This study should come as no surprise to those who have been following their research on T-cell immunity over the past year. Researchers in Singapore found that those who recovered from SARS-1 in 2003 not only retained their SARS-specific memory T-cells 17 years later, 
but that those T-cells appeared to work against SARS-CoV-2 in lab simulations. It stands to reason that a variant of SARS-CoV-2 is unlikely to pose a greater challenge to the immune systems of convalescent COVID patients than it does to those who had a completely different form of coronavirus. The media is trying to scare people by reporting each variant as if it's something novel to this particular virus, when in fact, most viruses have endless numbers of variants that are generally non-impervious to the immune system's response triggered by the original variant. Forget about four or five variants. Already back in June 2020, a paper published last in the WHO Bulletin claimed that a variant analysis of SARS-CoV-2 genomes detected in total 65,776 variants with 5,775 distinct variants. The media is focusing on these few variants as if they are somehow more deadly. But the reality is that cases and deaths have plummeted in all of the source countries, such as South Africa, Brazil, and England over the past two months, coinciding with the same decline following the late fall spike in nearly every part of the world. Additionally, according to a study by University of Arizona researchers, the British variant has been circulating in the U.S. since mid-November and does not appear to have altered the existing trajectory of the virus under the original strain. Clearly, these variants have not altered the national progression, roughly two month cycles of mechanical waxing and waning of this virus that we have observed since the beginning. Finally, it's important to remember that if those sowing panic about variants are correct, then it's a self, um, self-indictment of their own policies. Clearly, mask and lockdowns did not prevent the proliferation and never will in the future. Sports, maybe a little more news. Wrapping it up for a Thursday night, live from Studio 6B. Glad you're in. We're back right after this. Till the hour on Real America's Voice on a Thursday night. Glad you're in. Paul's going to maybe do a little more news if we have time after sports. And here with sports is Rick Amarati. What's going on, Slick? All right, Big D, a couple of NCAA scores. Can't give them all to you. I'm just going to give you a few of the big games. So, number three, Baylor did defeat Oklahoma State at 81 to 70. Jared Butler, 22 for the Baylor Bears. Uh, West Virginia over TCU, 76-67. Winthrop defeated Longwood, 82 to 61. And we have um, Michigan, number two Michigan. They did. They beat uh, Michigan State 69 to 50 with uh, 19 points for Franz Wagner. And um, let's see, we have uh, oh, Texas Tech defeated Iowa State 81 54. Mac McGlung, 20 points. He's a good player. Yeah. Very good player. Yep. Texas Tech is a good team. Watch yeah. out for them. Chris Beard's a good coach. They run a good offense, they play tough defense. Yeah. Top 20, big, big D. They're top 20. They're going to be at the dance. Met them last weekend, and they were fun to watch. Yeah. 
Gonna be, I can't wait for the final March Madness at the end of this month. Uh, New York Islanders with a big one in the NHL. 5-2 to two win over the Sabres. Good night for New York because the Rangers 6-1 to one over the Devils as well. Rangers are playing good. Uh, Penguins and Flyers in a good game at the PPG Paint Center in front of the fans. Tied 3-3 in the third. Jets uh, and the Canadians tied 2-2 in the second. And the Hurricanes are taking care of business against the Detroit Red Wings. They lead 5-2. to two. Panthers over the Predators 3-1. to one, And Blackhawks blanking the Lightning right now 2 Zip. Blue Jackets and Stars, nothing, nothing. Senators Flames just underway, also nothing, nothing. Maple Leafs and Canucks. Canucks coming up at 10 o'clock tonight. How and are your um, How are your and Paul's Islanders doing this year? Are you guys going to make the playoffs? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. They're in first place right now. Oh, they're in first place. Yeah, well, they, there you they, go. They got a yeah. couple games ahead of uh, Boston. Boston. They played three more games in Boston so far. So uh, Islanders are like ham and eggs. They're on a roll, man. They're looking good. Um, <laughs> Celtics, oh, I got to get through this here, guys. Celtics, Boy, oh, wrap this up. Of course. 132 to 125. Remember, this is the last game in the NBA before the All-Star game. Wizards, 119-117 over the Clippers. That was a final. Good game, buzzer beater. And the Knicks, 112-104. About 10 seconds to go in that game. I, looks like they got that one. And Julius Randle led all scorers with 25 points. Kid is looking good. Grizzlies and Bucks in a good one, 84-84. That's in the third. Heat over the Pelicans, 54-45. New Orleans, and um, right now the Spurs lead the Thunder early, 34-31. Ben Roethlisberger Roethlisberger agrees to one-year restructured deal with the Steelers by Blake Harper of Yard Barker. Uh, Ben Roethlisberger will be the starting quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers for at least one more year. Wanted to get this in. We got a lot of followers that love the Steelers on the show. The six-time Pro Bowler officially signed a restructured one-year contract with Pittsburgh. We We are excited. We were able to come to an agreement with Ben Roethlisberger on a new contract for him to return to the Steelers in 2021, said General Manager and VP Kevin Colbert. We know that Ben can still play at a high level and do special things for the team. Now, remember, that team was 11-0 this season before they really went down the tubes, and then they lost to Baker Mayfield, he who cited the UFOs in the first round of the playoffs. So, you know, Ben's got a lot to prove. This is his last year with the Steelers. I don't know if that defense is going to be able to hold up. They didn't look too good as the season closed. They just can't but, uh, run the ball. They yeah. can't run the ball, and he, he misses He's guys who are wide open. The last three years, he misses wide open guys. He has no arms. I, 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 he's just yeah. got to go. Juju Schuster wants him gone, I think. And uh, we have a CBS News update. A Yankees manager taking leave of absence after receiving a pacemaker. We talked about this on last night's show. This is from uh, CBS News' Jordan Freeman. New York Yankees manager Aaron Boone announced Wednesday that he is taking an immediate medical leave of absence to receive a pacemaker. The procedure was performed yesterday at St. Joseph's Hospital, and Boone is currently out of surgery and recovering. The team announced the procedure went as expected. The Yankees tweeted, Yankees bench, bench coach Carlos Mendoza will take over for Boone until he returns. Boone turns only 48 next week and is set to begin his fourth season as Yankee manager. The team has made the playoffs each year. Boone has been at the helm. And just one more big day, a little uh, entertainment uh, news in sports. Skip Bayless inks a $32 million Fox deal after ESPN's failed Stephen A. Smith reunion attempt. Uh, This is by Andrew Marchand of the New York Post. ESPN made a full-court press to reunite Skip Bayless with Stephen A. Smith, the Post has learned. The duo would have done a daily ESPN Plus show together while being splashed over ESPN, including weekly spots on the Monday Night Football halftime show after lengthy negotiations that culminated in Fox Sports retaining Bayless with a four-year, $32 million contract, according to sources. As part of the agreement, Bayless, a professional provocateur, continues to do his daily morning sports debate show on 
FS1's Undisputed with Shannon Sharp, which is arguably one of the best shows. And also you have Jenny Taff, who does a nice job of uh, moderating and refereeing those two, especially during football season. Uh, Bayless and FS1 are in the early planning stage of a potential second daily show for the afternoons. At this point, Bayless is expected to be a solo act for the program. So, you know, Skip, my Cowboys, he's going to stay with uh, with Fox. And, uh, you know, I, I like them both. I really enjoy both Skip of them. Skip Useless, he stinks. I like him. He's no, an I'm annoying sorry. old yeah. fool. I love God, him. Get out. Stinks. He's a Dallas, Texas cowboy man. I love my boy Skip. Skip my Useless. Yeah, that's why they're paying him $8 million a year. And what are we making? <laughs> I don't anyway. think Stephen A and him would have been good at all back together now. They've all they've they've both grown and kind yeah. of gone their separate ways. Yeah. And in, I uh, mean, I, I I get it. I think him and what's his name are pretty good. I mean, I, the the camp the, the the you know they're pretty good off off Shannon each other. Shannon Sharp is yeah. good with anybody. Yeah. He's just so Sharp's lovable, great. right? But oh, yeah. Skip is. I mean, sometimes. I mean, I don't know. It's fine, I good guess. Stuff. Whatever. And that's a wrap in sports, Big D. Thanks. All right, very good, Rick. Thank you very much. Uh, anything else in news, Paul, that we haven't gotten to? No, I, I got through all of them. Uh, so that's everything on what's uh, just the news, yeah. All right, so HR uh, one um, article today by Jennifer O'Connell for the people is code, she says, for control the people. Uh, gee, is there anything I haven't gotten to video-wise? We did the crazy town. Anything else cut-wise I need to get to? Um, we didn't finish Cuomo from yesterday, but probably not enough time anyway. Yeah. Okay. All right. So this HR one thing, um, I guess, so what Rick Delgado, you were saying that somebody was going to try to, um, filibuster today. Yeah. Well, I guess, I don't know. Senator Ron Johnson out of Wisconsin. He was promising to read all 600 pages on the floor. And then Pelosi shut and. Am I understanding this right, that Pelosi's well, chasing down, um, she's the conspiracy theorist now? Well, yeah, she she shut down everything because she thought the... Because uh, of internet chatter. Right, that, that Q was going to swoop in and, and inaugurate Trump. Well, she's got enough, I mean, the Capitol's surrounded by... Um, yeah, fencing and... Fencing and, and National Guard and everything else. I wonder if we could maybe use the National Guard down at, oh, I don't know, maybe the border? <laughs> no, 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 keep them around the Capitol. So, um, boy, so he was going to read the whole 600 pages of it. Right. But he's going to do that in the Senate. So that, that's outside of Pelosi. Of course, she's in the House. Um, but I think that was supposed to start today. Weren't they supposed to start debating that today? Well, I don't know. I mean, Pelosi, obviously, she shut down the whole, I mean, she's a Speaker of the House. What, whatever, what happened to Schumer? Oh, I'm sure Schumer, of course, follows her lead. So I'm sure he did the same thing then. Right. Yeah, I don't see anything coming up about him doing it, but I know that was a big story early in the day that he was going to read everything because he wants to put it out there. He wants the American people to know exactly where all this money is going to because only about um, only $400 billion is going to the American people or is COVID-related. The other $1.5 trillion is going out to other things, other countries, other projects. You got, you got the, uh, the, the BART expansion. You got the, the, the bridge up in upstate New York. Um, you got all these special interest groups that, that have got their money out, you know, got their hands out for this money. And meanwhile, they've got over a billion dollars from the previous stimulus package they still haven't spent yet. Okay, so somebody on um, the, the live chat said that they were reading it today. They were, okay. Shows you how close of attention I paid to what's going on in Congress these days, zero. Um, so this H.R. 1 thing, well, I don't have a lot of time now. I'll have to dig into it tomorrow. But this, um, 
Congress is on a campaign to control every aspect of our lives, and isn't that the truth? So we'll get into more of this mm. tomorrow. So, um, all right. Good first night on Twitch. Hope you enjoyed it. The show will rerun on Twitch. Really? Uh, and I think last night's will and the night before that as well. They'll just be rerunning. So uh, it'll be live all the time. As always, we salute our military, active and active police, firefighters, first responders, EMTs, everybody on the front lines. Thanks, G. Thanks, Fran. Thanks to the guys on the show. Thanks to Real America's Voice. Most of all, though, thank you, the live from Studio 6B audience. We'll see you tomorrow night to wrap up the week on a Friday night. Back with you in... 22. We'll see you then.